The past few weeks, Pastor Pete has been taking us through some of the ideas found in Peter Scazzaro's book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And today, uh, we are exploring chapter 4 as we look at how we grow and mature in our faith as followers of Jesus. Last year, during the lockdown, I watched this live stream of the Collins Street Falcons. No, it's not a new netball team. Uh, There are actually a family of falcons, like birds, real birds, who have nested on the 35th floor of 367 Collins Street in Melbourne's CBD. You know, and what was amazing is that someone set up a camera on its nest, uh, and for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you could watch these falcons, or its empty nest if they had flown away. Um, But anyway, these falcons had little baby falcons, and the internet absolutely lost its mind uh, that there were baby falcons here being videoed and recorded. Um, But you were able to, to watch these eggs kind of first being laid, and then watch these little falcon chicks kind of break through their eggs and, and the chicks, you know, made its way through this tough protective shell in order that it might continue to grow and develop and mature. If the chick stays in its egg, it stays, you know, embryonic, it stays immature and, and eventually it will die. So the journey of following Jesus, I think, is much like this. There are challenging, painful, difficult times in our lives that we must work through in order to be a better reflection of the image of God, to be be more like Jesus in our thoughts, in our actions, and in our affections. But the reality is it's so hard to push through the painful circumstances of life into maturity. You know, just because you're old does not mean you're mature. Just because you're young doesn't mean you're immature. You might have spent your whole life in church, but have never been able to step into spiritual maturity. Peter Pan is a fictional story about a boy who has a never-ending childhood. He flies around mythical place of Neverland, on adventures with pirates and mermaids and fairies. Um, And the key for Peter's unending youth is that he is so free-spirited. He isn't burdened with the realities of the real world. In fact, he must forget them in order to stay childlike. And by doing this, the fantasy world of Peter Pan and Neverland is perpetuated. And Peter Pan is the boy who never grows up. Christians who don't push through the difficult circumstances, don't push through the pain, but instead escape to a fantasy, are what I like to call Peter Pan Christians. Christians who never spiritually grow up. Christians just maintaining their own immaturity. And this is not what God has for us. So how do we come to grips with the reality and, and push through the wall of pain and grow into maturity. And to unpack this, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12. And the writer of Hebrews describes this process of maturity through hardship. And he describes it as discipline. Now, discipline can be a bit of a dirty word these days. Like Peter Pan, our culture avoids most forms of authority. 
And Hebrews explains that God's discipline, while painful at the time, is actually good for us. And it's a loving act on behalf of God. So let's get into the passage. If you've got your Bibles with you, please open up to Hebrews 12. And we're going to be reading from verse 5 to 11. Hebrews 12, verse 5 to 11. It says this, And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as father addresses his son. It says, My son, do not make light of the discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Verse 9, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for good in order that we may share in His holiness. Verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. First, in this passage, we see the writer quote Proverbs in verses 5 and 6. He's calling the reader to remember the Jewish wisdom about discipline and to not give up in hard times, but to persevere. And to remember that discipline comes from a place of love, which is reserved for those who are God's children. I think that's Probably when we think of discipline, we probably just think of the punishment. You know, we might think of harshness. We might think of being treated unfairly. But that's not the emphasis here. The emphasis here is actually on correction. You know, when my almost two-year-old son Isaac wants to cross the road without holding my hand, I'm not just going to let him do it. I'm going to grab his hand. I'm going to pick him up. I'm going to tell him no. I won't hesitate to correct him. You know, from my, from, you know, from his perspective, I'm limiting his freedom. I'm preventing him from getting to the joyful playground across the road. But from my perspective, I'm making sure he doesn't get hit by a car. Discipline is not so much about punishment. While there's certainly part of it, discipline is about correction. And the writer of Hebrews makes this exact point in verse 9. If, if I can do a half-decent job as an imperfect father, how much better for us is it when God disciplines us? It's for our good. And verse 10 and 11 tells us the purpose of discipline. That we might share in His holiness and to produce righteousness in us that we would go, undergo the process of becoming more like Jesus and, and less like the world. The theological term for this is called sanctification, becoming more like Christ. So in summary, this passage in Hebrews, we see that God does not hesitate 
to correct his children. That, and that correction is painful. And God uses our circumstances to do this with the purposes of making us more like Jesus. I think a significant way we can experience this loving but painful correction is through something called the dark night of the soul. St. John of the Cross was a Spanish priest in the 1500s who coined the term. And you might have heard the dark night of the soul being thrown around in church circles. It's a term used to refer, a re- refer to a really intense, painful and frankly dark time in your life. It's a time of crisis where we just don't feel connected to God anymore. God's presence that we would normally rely so heavily on has, has now evaporated into thin air. We feel overwhelmed by hopelessness. We feel isolated and weary. You know, this is just, isn't just a setback or a few bad days. The dark night of the soul describes an extended period of time of pain and disillusionment. And it can go on for months or even years. So God uses the circumstances around us. Why isn't the author of these things? He will use all things, especially the bad things, for our good. And Romans 8.28 tells us that. He's going to use these painful circumstances for our good. Maybe an experience like, like I was describing has come through a family breakdown, the death of a loved one. It's come through the, the inability to get pregnant or a cancer diagnosis on, or an ongoing battle with illness. Maybe it's come through losing a job and struggling to find a new one or an un, ongoing battle with depression and anxiety. Or maybe it's come through a significant financial loss or a series of awful events, one after the other. This could be something you're facing right now, something you've faced in the past. And if you haven't accounted maybe somewhat of a period of time like this, it's probably going to be a matter of time until you do. We live in a, in a, a, a broken world. When you're confronted with pain, and dark circumstances. How do you respond? Because just like that falcon chick has to break through an egg, we have to break through and push through painful periods of our life. I want to tell you a story about a retired couple. They loved getting the newspaper each and every single day. It would be ready for them each morning, rolled up in glad wrap on their front front porch and they would read it cover to cover over a few hot cups of English breakfast tea. The highlight would be doing the quiz and she would always win it. One day uh, the pa- in the paper they read a story about a family who did a trip around Australia and they just couldn't shake the idea that it was something that they've always wanted to do but now we're in a position to do it. Obviously this is before COVID happened. So they bought a caravan, they said goodbye to their families and friends, and off they went. They had a great time. And 12 months later, they returned home. They were confronted with 12 months' worth of newspapers piled on their front porch. 
tired from the long drive. They, they stepped over the newspapers to get inside and have a rest. It was a problem for another day. A few days passed and the couple could not gather the motivation to tackle the pile. And as every day passed, another newspaper was added to the pile. They wouldn't even go outside and and collect the day's paper as the reality of the pile was too dreadful to confront. The news agents even called to cancel the delivery, but they loved reading the paper so much they insisted it must continue to be delivered. And days turned into weeks, weeks into years, and the pile of newspapers grew into a colossal mountain. The problem came to its climax when a friend came to visit. After hearing the neighborhood gossip of the gigantic black and white mess, she decided to investigate for herself. And in her attempt to get to the front door, she lost her footing, tripped, rolled down the pile off the porch and broke her hip. This was the turning point where they finally hired a skip and got rid of the mountain of newspaper. Do your painful circumstances build up like this pile of newspapers? Too tired to deal with, but it remains ignored and avoided. Maybe you distract yourself, working crazy hours, going from the one thing to the next, never stopping. Maybe you use something to numb the pain or lose yourself into fantasy. By not confronting our pain, not only does it rob us of our joy, but it also harms those around us. We lash out, we say something we regret, we we give our spouse or our kids nowhere near the attention they deserve and distracting ourselves from the pain, even people close to us get hurt. We have to confront the pain, not flee from it. If we spend our entire lives running and ignoring pain, we will never step into maturity. No matter how old we are, we're just going to be a church of Peter Pan Christians. So how do we confront it? How do we work through it, not flee from it? Because in the end, it will result, as Hebrews tells us, sharing in the holiness of God, producing a harvest of righteousness within us. In the midst of the pain, in the midst of the dark night, God is working to free us from unhealthy attachments and idols of the world. And those are what we must confront to deal with the pain and to push through the egg like the chick. When I was in grade six, uh, we went for a school camp to Sovereign Hill and Uh, Sovereign Hill is an 1850s gold rush town and going there, it's like stepping into a time machine. And and one of the places I remembered visiting was a blacksmith. And, And the man, I watched a man place small pieces of metal into a glowing red hot fire. Even though we were standing quite a distance away, I could feel the heat on my face. And after a little while, the solid metal turned into glowing white hot liquid. And all the impurities in the metal had formed black slag on the top. And after scraping it off, the blacksmith poured the purified molten metal into a mold to cool and set. To purify the metal, it has to undergo the smelting process. It has to be put through fire 
It just doesn't happen any other way. Deuteronomy 4.24 tells us, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. And God says this in the midst of rebuking the Israelites for their idol worship. God will burn up the idols and unhealthy attachments in our life. And that's painful. He is purifying us in the dark and painful times in our life. And He's going to use the pain because sometimes there's no other way to get through to us. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Problem of Pain, writes this, Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God is trying to get through to us, to correct us, to consume the idols we hold on to. And this morning, I want to suggest to you that there are three major things that I believe for us as a church, God wants to purge from us and to purify from us. And the first is this, that the idol of the senses. Peter Scazzaro notes that it is the human tendency to become attached to the feelings of and about God, mistaking them for God himself. In this time, any feelings we have of God is is removed, and so we must learn to worship God himself, not our feelings or thoughts of him. The idol of the senses must be purged. God wants us to learn that our relationship with him doesn't go up and down with our feelings. When we lose that constant reassurance of of feeling God, we are forced to learn that we cannot control God. We must trust in God alone. Not trust our feelings, not trust our thoughts of Him, but trust in God alone. The second idol is the idol of pleasure. Here, we're quick to avoid all pain and discomfort. But Jesus calls us as his disciples, to deny ourselves. Following Jesus is the hard way, not the comfortable way. You know, maybe you get irritated really easily. Maybe you invest heavily into worldly pleasures. You invest heavily into comforts and securities. How do you use your money? You know, if you call KSBC your church home, do you financially give to the work of it? If we tithe more to streaming services than we do to the work and mission of God, that's a problem. The idol of pleasure must be purged. God wants us to learn that we mustn't worship the gifts, but the giver of the gifts. The third is the idol of self. And this idol is characterized by self-sufficiency. It might be the inability to forgive because we think subconsciously that we're superior to them. We might, it might be we're quick to condemn and judge others. We, we might refuse help from others and be selective to those who we talk with or, or selective about who we let into our circle. You know, do you care little for those who are on the margins Maybe we devote an unhealthy amount of attention to our exterior, of how others see us. 
You know, we spend hours on social media cultivating a post and then that social media post only just makes us anxious about uh, how people will respond. Do you care too much if people see you as a good parent? Do you care too much about people seeing you as a, as a good leader or as a good student? The idol of self is simply pride and it must be purged. God wants to break down our religious systems, break our reliance on our moral performance, to break our reliance on our reputation. We must learn to rely on what Christ has done on our behalf alone. Stop trying to please everyone else and start living a life that pleases God. These are three idols that I think are particularly relevant to us today. The idol of the senses, the idol of pleasure, and the idol of self. And the writer of Hebrews calls us to not lose heart because of the painful discipline, but to submit and live. Take notice of what God is doing in you. Throw out that gigantic pile of newspapers you're hoarding. Get rid of it. Purge it from your life. Reap the harvest of righteousness. Share in God's holiness. Be a more complete reflection of the image of God. Be a better embodiment of His love and His grace to our broken world. Shine the light of Jesus more brightly into dark places and bring more glory and honor to Jesus. Don't lose heart in the pain. Don't give up. Keep confronting the pain and submit to Him when He reveals idols and unhealthy attachments in our hearts. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves. He's treating us as sons and daughters. Don't lose heart. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you treat us like your sons and daughters, God. That, God, you love us so much that you wouldn't leave us where we are, but you would correct us, that you would discipline us. And God, while we can't always see the good that you're doing in the midst of the pain, God, give us hope. Give us hope to have faith in you alone and to push through the painful and dark times. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.